Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1984's Amadeus, the director's cut, directed by Milos Forman and starring Tom Hulse and F. Murray Abraham. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Uh, I watched uh, Caravaggio from 1986. I've never seen that. I, th- I think you'd like it a lot. Okay. Uh, Derek Jarman really had some... I mean, he was quite an original filmmaker, and I've been like watching a lot of his stuff recently. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's weird because Nigel Terry plays, you know, Caravaggio. He plays the title role. But there's two other people who play him like as a young person. The real stars of the movie are Tilda Swinton and Sean Bean. It's their film oh, debut. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. I mean, two <laughs> truly great actors. And you're getting to see their like rookie performance. Um, and they're already like coming through. You can always see that they're going to be stars. You is, know? is that why you watched it? Or that has was, it been on your radar? It that it, it had been on my radar previously, but because I've been like um, trying to get through all of Derek Jarman's movies, and also Tilda Swinton has become like a favorite recently for me, so I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna get through all of her stuff too. Um, it was just like the yeah. perfect storm of it. So okay, let's watch Caravaggio, and it was streaming on Canopy, so I checked it out. Can't go wrong. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched something that a few weeks ago I said you were gonna you ruined my weekend because okay. <laughs> I had all these awesome movies I needed to watch. So I watched Black Robe, which was one that you had mentioned. <sighs> nice, From man. 1991. Yeah. If you guys don't remember out there, Dave mentioned this. It's a historical drama about like French colonization of the New World in the 17th century. Right. Um, and you follow this Jesuit missionary as he tries to spread the word of the Lord you know, to all the native people. And uh, it's very authentic. It depicts what I feel like it probably was close to being like. Yes. Uh, traveling into these lands no one knows where they're going, it's all new. There's indigenous people. You don't know if you can trust them or not. Mm-hmm. And it shows it from both sides, how it must be. Right. You see uh, the settlers and the indigenous people, how they're viewing everything. And, man, it's freaking awesome. Yeah. It's a great movie. That movie rules. It rules. And it won a ton of awards in Canada, the Genie Awards, which is yes. like their Oscars. Right. Including Best Picture. I think it had, like, 10 nominations or something. Right. This movie's great. Everyone should watch Black Robe, man. Yeah. All right. So now let's talk about Amadeus, Dave. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Uh, sure. Um, so this is uh, Milos Forman and Peter Schaefer's adaptation of uh, Peter Schaefer's play, which fictionalizes a relationship between Mozart and Salieri. And it posits that while Salieri was popular and had everything you could want materially and professionally... He was insanely jealous of Mozart's genius, and the jealousy manifests itself in deceit and sabotage. So Mm -hmm. we'll dive into the story. Sounds like a great synopsis, Dave. Thank you. wonderful. Appreciate it. Um, And you said it's like fictionalized, right? Yeah. I'm I'm a little ignorant with Mozart's history, Uh but was Salieri and Mozart adversarial in real life? No one knows for sure what their actual relationship was. Um, Like... They definitely knew each other, and they were both, um, like, they both had the rank of court composer mm-hmm. for Emperor Joseph. Um, no one, I, I don't know that they were, like, quite at each other's throats as, as right. depicted in the story, though. So, like, <laughs> I, I guess because they both had the same job, and one became kind of immortalized, and the other didn't, even though yeah. they were both popular in their day, I guess it was just one of these things where, like... Peter Schaefer, and people before him, too, mm-hmm. um, had just decided, Let, let's fictionalize this story. It's pretty. I mean, it's a, a great idea for it a is. movie. Yeah. Two world-renowned composers who are jealous of each other. It, not bad. <laughs> I mean, it, it really, like... Well, the whole conceit of one guy who is popular in his day and the other guy would become popular, you know, like, not, not just popular, yeah. but, like... Immortalized. Exactly. Like, to everyone in the world of any age at any time in their life knows the word that they hear the word Mozart, even if they've never heard any of the, any of the music, they know who he is. Yes. You know, I would argue he's the most popular composer of all time. Absolutely. Or most, most well known. Yeah. yeah. Like a, a three year old knows who Mozart is. Yeah. For the, you know, it, it's far as it goes. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were mentioning they're both jealous of each other. It's mostly Salieri is jealous, yes. but Mozart does have moments where he's jealous of what Sal- Salieri's Sal- doing. Yeah. yeah. And, and I know he's, he's, like part of his jealousy of it would of course just be that like Salieri he's established and he like lives in a palace obviously yeah and he um he doesn't have he doesn't have to worry about money 
Um, he has all the pupils he wants. He's more respected, I he's, believe. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And he's he's also in with um, like the people who are in charge of overseeing music. You know, um, yeah. the 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 hair the the director uh, Orsini Rosenberg mm-hmm. and the other guy Capellmeister Bono. Uh, they're like like just fixtures at court, and like Salieri is just with them. You know, mm-hmm. and he has the emperor's favor. Yeah, I think Mozart's jealousy stems from his not being accepted. Yes, Be- and it's because of his behavior mainly. He's a he's a crude guy. Um, he's also he's very young, and he doesn't like show decorum when he's you know in front of the royals. Right. He he acts like a spoiled brat. He does. Um, and th- th- that's and that's where like you kind of get some sympathy for Salieri in that like you know. Mozart is very arrogant. Oh yes, <laughs> um, and he, he's he's not at all humble about his ability. He he knows like I mean he's a child prodigy and he's been told from yeah. from like age four that he's a genius. Yeah, he he shows off in front of everyone. He does. He, he, yes, he he rubs it in their face even. the The scene when he marches in while Jeffrey Jones is playing the piano. Yeah, and he. Tells Salieri that he worked on his piece to improve it. Yes. Like, he's just telling... He, he knows what he's saying. He's he like, I'm to, better than you, dude. I mean, it's it's yeah. like... And it's so... And, it, and that's really <laughs> passive-aggressive, too. Yes. If he just came out and said, you know what? I'm a better composer than you are. It would almost be, like, maybe easier for Salieri to take. Probably. You know? Yeah. But the fact that he couches it in... I, <laughs> I, I took a melody of yours. It's backhanded. And, I mean, yeah, exactly. And and I guess maybe the more aggressive moment in that scene is toward the end when he takes the the march of welcome that Salieri has written in his honor mm-hmm. uh, that the emperor played in a ham-fisted way. Um, he barely got through that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, then he Mozart says, "Oh, that's all right. You don't need to give me the sheet music. It's already it's already in my head." And, yeah. and the emperor's like, "Well, show us." And he sits down. He plays it note perfect, and then um, just improves on it and not and, and it's like it becomes oh, what's the word i mean he it, it's, it's not like just, a, it's like a fully realized musical composition exactly it's a full concerto now yeah you know and he just <laughs> made this up like on the spot yeah salieri uh, is not having this i love this scene a lot because yes. i mean the camera is like pushing into salieri's face right and you can just see on his face how displeased he is with this situation and it's one of my favorite cuts too, because earlier in the movie, like you know, he you see Salieri at the beginning when he's writing the little march of welcome, and after after he like puts a note where it needs to be, he always looks at his crucifix and says "Grazie, Signore," mm-hmm. talking to Jesus because yeah. like Jesus gave him the inspiration. Well, after this, when Mozart you know like does the the thing with the you know like you know improves upon the piece, he then does his insane giggle that he does. The oh. Tom Hulse is like amazing. <laughs> yeah, and. You put the camera on on <laughs> F. Marie Abraham as Salieri. He just is like glaring at the crucifix and goes, "Grazie, Signore." Oh. It, it's excellent, man. Dude, the giggle, <laughs> the giggle is hard to take, man. I know, and it's intentional. Yeah, of course, I, I get it. It's, it's a choice. It's definitely designed to irritate you. Yep, because that's what it's used for in the movie, and it represents like just how kind of unconnected. Mozart is to everything. Yeah. He just interjects with this like hyena cackle, you know, <laughs> he has no decorum. Right. With, you know, the high life of the civilized people. He, he just does what he does. It, when you're in like regular life and you, you come across a person who is like essentially normal, but they have a bad laugh. Yeah. You know, no one's ever told them. Yeah. Like no one ever says, "Hey, your laugh is annoying." It's just some that's something you 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 don't want to hurt their feelings. Right, yeah. Um <laughs> so they're they're completely not aware of it and they just will like, you know, they hear something funny and they go, <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> you you just have to deal with it, you know? <laughs> uh, I bet even so even if someone did tell Mozart that his laugh sucked, he wouldn't care. He I guess you're right. <laughs> he true. would do it cuz he doesn't give a shit cuz he is so awesome in his own mind he, <laughs> he gets away with everything because of his raw god-given talent yes because his talent is like uncommonly prodigious i mean you know yes. like there, there has not been a prodigy of this kind like in any art form in the world i mean you know he he right. literally wrote a symphony when he was four years old yeah 
Yeah. I, I, how, how is how is talent like <laughs> how that is even that explained? Possible? Exactly. How do you even write anything at four years? How do you write the letter A? How are you reading at that age? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, like, not only reading letters, but then you can read, like, sheet music. At one point, th- there, there's something in the movie, like, in the middle of it, when Salieri, it's it's probably, like, the, um, the, the best depiction, I think, of, like, Mozart's genius is when Salieri is... Um, it's when he's got the, the, the drafts of music that Constanza brings in for him to, uh, to inspect. Yes. And he's looking through them, and she goes, well, you have to give those back to me because they're originals. And, he, and if he sees they're gone, he's going to freak out. And he looks, these are originals? And, he, and you're looking at it going, well, yeah. why is he like kind of concentrating on this? And then you realize there's no eraser. There's no correction on anything. Right. It's page after page of music that Mozart yes. just wrote down that was already finished in his head. Yeah. He, he had written perfect music in his mind. And then just put it on some paper. I mean, I mean, and it blows Salieri's mind that this is possible. <laughs> he says, "Here again was the very voice of God." Wow! In that scene, amazing, yeah. And F. Murray Abraham is wonderful in this because just the 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 wonder and awe on his face while looking at these papers, it's really expressive. Uh-huh. It gets the point across. You, you feel like, yeah, the music is unbelievable. Salieri's um, his appreciation for Mozart while because he's telling us his story you know yeah the movie, like 30 years yeah. later he, he's an old man now in an insane asylum he he's been confined there because he feels that he killed Mozart right um, and to watch like these particular like these monologues these appreciation monologues that, that, mm-hmm. that Salieri gives throughout the film um, right they're always accompanied by Mozart's music the I've never heard music kind of like described this way. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's one thing to like read a review in Rolling Stone, but to hear like, um, an actual musician, like, um, be appreciative of, of the, the meticulous artistry of the music. And, um, you know, geez, the the, the whole, the, this whole thing and this whole thing with the originals sheet, I mean, like it's, it's the, probably one of the best examples I've ever seen of like proving someone's virtuosity is, yeah. is that like, okay, there, there's no, they, he never made a correction in yeah. this entire opera that he wrote. Right. And Salieri throughout the film has always appreciated Mozart and been jealous of him. Yeah. And known he's a musical genius, but this scene really puts the point on it that now he's like worshiping this guy. Right. Even though he hates him, which, which is great. Cause it's, that's how he feels about God also. <laughs> Like, you know, he, he's worshiping God, yes. but he hates him because he's put him in this position where he wants to serve people with this gift and he's trying really hard and he's got the talent, but he also gave it to this jackass Mozart yes. who's better than him. And like only so Sal- he doesn't appreciate it the way he does. Yes. It, yeah. That, that's exactly. I think that that's a big part of it is that like Mo, he feels Mozart doesn't appreciate his gift. Yeah. And and it's also a weird thing of like where if if you are musically talented and yet you you kind of understand that maybe your talent isn't what someone else's is or it doesn't matter to be music it could be any kind of art form um that if you if you're a really good okay I can draw right uh, mm-hmm. but I know that I'm not actually an artist because this person <laughs> over here um they 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 can they're just so 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 far right, ahead of yeah. me you know um, it's it's something that you like. You can either practice and get better, but when you practice and get better, and this person still eclipses you at every turn, um, yeah. I understand the frustration of it. But what you have to do, what the mature thing is to like, um, to admire their work and keep getting better yourself. Yep. Um, and also accepting that that you know maybe you aren't going to be number one. It's it's not a competition. Right, the problems with Salieri, yeah. his view on he, he at the beginning he talks about how when he was a child he, he he prayed to God that he would become like the greatest composer and spread God's love through the music. Yes, and he ends up doing that, so he feels like he's this chosen righteous person in a way, and Mozart is the one who's doing what he thinks he's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah. like, like Mozart, he, he thought that God arranged for him to be, for him to be the guy, yeah. for him to be the greatest composer. And because all the, everything was lining up exactly as he wanted, he thought this was happening. And then he met Mozart <laughs> and, and he saw that like Mozart was like 
you know, 50 times as good as him and was yeah. like, oh my God. And he also, when he's introduced to Mozart, it's Mozart is crawling around on the floor with yeah. his fiance, <laughs> um, being vulgar. And yeah, like he doesn't know that it's Mozart. He just thinks that it's some idiot kid. Right. Cause he, he's walking around this party trying to identify who Mozart is. Cause he's, he doesn't know what he looks like. Right. And this, this young Dude, giggling, running, playing hide-and-seek and grab-ass with this woman who <laughs> turns out to be his fiance, um, Elizabeth Barrage, right. plays Constance. And she's wonderful in this movie, too, yes. and we'll get into her soon. But, yeah, this is not who you think the world's greatest composer would be. I remember, like, wondering the first time I saw it, you know, like, was Mozart really like this? Mm-hmm. You know, and... I mean, I can't find any any material saying that he wasn't. He he might not have been quite as much of a goon as as this. But, yeah. Uh, but it's it's entirely possible that like in our heads when we think of the 18th century, maybe there, there were plenty of people who were were funny or yeah. who who acted this way. I'm sure you know? there were. They were. Um, definitely, of course, there were. But right. Not in high society. No. And and I think I think that's where probably like yeah well, that's where the I guess the uh, quote unquote problems come right. in is is that someone is like standing there in the presence of the archbishop and instead of you know like clicking their heels and and curtsying uh-huh. um they're doing what Mozart's doing talking about you know shitting backwards and, right yeah uh you know and and you know like uh, cutting farts and and yeah. just just doing everything they can to 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 be as gross as possible. Yeah, he he's a, a raunchy dude. Yes. He even says that I think to his dad in the film. He says it to someone. He like, says it to the emperor. He says, "I'm yeah. sorry, your majesty. I I'm a vulgar man." Yeah. It, it's true. Right. He's quite vulgar. Right. He looks like a good time though, but he might <laughs> he's a little insufferable. Like I yeah. couldn't I couldn't hang out with this guy every day. He parties so hard. I too. could go to a party with him every now and then. Sure. Yeah. But I ain't I ain't hanging out with this guy saying, hey, let's get something to eat, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'll see you at the party next month. That, that's about my relationship with this Probably. guy. Probably. He's going to be an acquaintance. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I know. Um, I, I don't... Am I the first person who's ever said I wouldn't want to hang out with Mozart? Yeah, you probably are. Okay, and, yeah. And, you know, other than, you know, like... Um, this version of Mozart. Let's exact, just say this yes, version of yes. Mozart. <laughs> and by the way, if we didn't mention it before, Mozart is played by Tom Hulse. Yes, yes. Nominated for Best Actor. Yes. Lost to F. Murray Abraham, who got Best Actor. It's weird. I've, I've, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like, the, the, the lead actors in a, in a movie. Yeah, lead both doesn't being, happen much. Yeah. Supporting uh, happens more often. Right. But yeah, not lead. That's something. Um, and I and I I recently watched uh, uh, an Oscar special uh, starring Carl Malden, where it was 1970 to 1991. Uh-huh. Uh, like you know, hey everybody, let's celebrate the Oscars. And I got to see like uh, the 1985 ceremony oh. where um, F. Murray Abraham accepts the Best Actor trophy. And uh-huh. in his speech, he says the only thing missing from this moment, of course, is Tom Hulse is not standing next to me. And I was like, hey, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, so I wonder if Tom Hulse was jealous. <laughs> was he scheming in the in the in, crowd? In, in the way Salieri is jealous. In the in the art, you know, yes, art imitating yeah, life. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, probably so. I mean, I, I would imagine if it went the other way around, if Tom Hulse went up there and actually got. Oh, this, I mean, imagine holy shit. He's like yeah, Murray Abraham, life imitating the, art for yes, sure. He'd be sitting in the audience with his fingers steepled, you know, mm-hmm. just like plotting his demise. And yeah, the camera just pushes up on uh-huh. his face real close exactly. as, it, as the rage fumes. This little fucking kid from Animal House is getting my trophy. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, um, the movie won tons of awards. I mean, it won Best Picture. Yeah, this is one of the most I mean, acclaimed films yeah. of all time. Yeah, um, and that's the original cut, right? Yep. The PG version. Right. The, the one we are doing here is the director's cut. Yeah. Which I think came out in 2002 or something like that. Yep. And it added another 20 minutes, which is a substantial amount of time yes. for a film. Especially a movie that's already two hours and 40 minutes. Right. And um, I guess we can just get into, like, we'll, we'll get into the rest of the movie, of course, but, like, the, the, the main difference between the theatrical and the director's cut um, is that... When Constanza comes to Salieri and asks him to appoint Mozart, the scene uh, in the theatrical cut 
it cuts after Salieri drops the sheet music. Yeah, and, that's what we were talking about when he's like just absorbing this and appreciating right. it. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't make the quid pro quo offer right. to Constanza. Um, we also then don't see the sequence where Constanza shows up and disrobes, nor the next scene when she's crying at home. Right. You know, over what happened. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the movie, when she comes back to Vienna and finds Salieri with Mozart, we see her being really cold and hostile to Salieri. But because we never saw the sexual bargain sequence, it's confusing on why she's being so unfriendly to him. Right. And she, like he almost comes off as sympathetic, at least as far as his relationship with Constanza is concerned. Yes. And it was one of the problems I always had with the movie before I saw the director's cut was I was always wondering why she's so like, why she's being so hostile to him. Yeah. Um, and it, because there was a scene missing a pretty big scene, right? He was trying to force her to have sex with yes. him. Yes. And it's yeah. like, and I, I talked myself into like, well, maybe she just knows that he's been scheming somewhat. No, she doesn't really know. Yeah. Cause besides that, he, he's wearing that black mask yeah. trying to commission that, stuff right. from him and like ruin him. Right. And, but she doesn't yeah. know that that's him. Right. No like, one does. And right. so, yeah, it, it's, it's, a it's, yeah. Like you said, I mean, he, he like, Pretty much, he was going, he was threatening to rape her. Even though he doesn't do it, he still, like, leaves her broken and humiliated. Right. And, like, th- th- this was obviously one of the worst moments of her life, and it's beca- and it's his doing. Right. And he refuses to leave because Mozart requests him to be there. Yes. And, man, that, I, she is so mad at him in this scene. Right. He will not get out. Right. Um. She is a great character. Constance is wonderful in this I, movie. I really like, she's, yeah. She's strong and powerful. Yeah. She's awesome, dude. Right, exactly. And she loves her husband. Like, all his flaws. She definitely loves him. And you think how, like, lost she lost he would be without her? You oh, know, my God, I mean, Mozart yeah. trying to, like, navigate uh, that, that, you know... Yeah. Uh, ...that scene without, without someone who actually has... Uh, you know, some reality about them. Yeah. And it, you know, someone who like understands how to, I mean, oh, she yeah. at one point started talking about like how he's not good with money. It's not just that he's not good. It's like, he's terrible. He's I horrible. Mean, exactly. He, 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 nothing money does not money leaves his hand very quickly. He's a total fool. Like when it. he says he's going to help write for his friend, for their opera that they're doing, their plays that they're doing. And yeah. She, she's like, wait, no, you're going to pay him up front. And right. Do this. And he's, his friend's like, oh, I didn't know your manager was here. Like, <laughs> no, she is. She's the one keeping things can- together. I know. You know? Exactly. And she loves... She was even going... So he can get appointed to to teach people, get pupils. She was going to go accept Salieri's offer. Right. And sleep with him. Yep. She was and, ready, she was ready she to do was, that. I mean, she probably wasn't happily doing it, but when she goes there to do it, she's completely committed to it. She's like, I'm going to do this. Right. I'm going to live with it, and we're... It's for the best. Right. And then, you know, that backfires because Salieri changes his mind. But she went, she went there ready to do this. I know. For um, her husband. Something unthinkable. Yeah. And she was going to, like, make make the ultimate sacrifice. That's how much she loves him. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. And and there's, I, I think, like, those are all, these are all awesome things that, that I mean, awesome moments, I guess, for the character. My, my personal favorite, like, funniest moment for Stanzi mm-hmm. is when... Um, her and Mozart are cr- like when we're first introduced to them and they're crawling around on the floor. Uh-huh. Uh, he says, <laughs> he says, he's talking backwards and right. asking her to, to like translate it. And when she translate the phrase, marry me, she says, no, I'm not going <laughs> to marry you. You're a fiend. And I'm like, man, yes. I'm not going to marry you. You're a fiend is one of the most amazing rebuttals to a proposal I've ever heard. Yeah. She's completely honest. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is it makes him want her more. Of course, exactly. Now, because I mean, he he's that that was kind of what he wanted to hear. That's what he needs to hear too. Yeah, he needs someone to tell him what's what. Right. Because a lot of people are kissing his ass because he's the great Mozart. <laughs> That's, until he runs across Salieri. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, and so his his wife is telling him is being real with him. Um, and unfortunately, right off the bat, yeah, I right know. Right off the bat, I know. They're courting, and she's like this. Yeah. I know exactly. And man, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a great it's a great central relationship in the movie, definitely. Yeah, um, I think that scene we've talked about when she comes and undresses, and she's going to go through with this act with Salieri. 
It's one of my favorite in the movies. Yeah. I can't believe it wasn't in the original. I know. I mean, I people out there, I've never seen this or the original. This is my first time, so it was wonderful. Yeah. I can't, could not believe that wasn't in the original. It's it's so crazy that like it, it changes the movie entirely. It does. It reminds me so much of the Spartacus snails and oysters scene. Yes, yes, being cut. Absolutely. The best scene in the movie. Totally, it's man. cut. I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. And 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 in a movie that won Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. Like they they cut out the guts of the story. Really, I mean, like you have no idea of a major character's motivations when the, when they just took it out. It's a huge part of Solieri's character. Yes. And Stanzi's character, absolutely gigantic part of her character, right? Because we went over like like what what the the shame and humiliation she felt in the thing, but when you know that like Salieri did this to somebody, it's not just he's scheming uh, against Mozart and he's like you know planting landmines here and there. He full on ruined someone else's life. Yeah, you know, um, so like the, the idea that like you could have any sympathy for him after this is like that's gone. Yeah, you know, yeah. You don't. Right. This guy's lost it all. Right. He's scum. Yeah. This guy sucks. Even even when he rescinds and doesn't want to do it anymore. Right. Like, it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're not that great just because you didn't do it. Exactly. Because, like, him not doing it, he doesn't say, listen, I'm sorry. Um, this was this was wrong of me. L- let's try to forget this ever happened. Yeah. He leaves her standing there broken and just, like, embarrassed. Yeah, because he rings his servant bell, and the servant comes in and sees her standing there topless. Yes. Humiliating her. Even yes. further. He, he, like somehow makes it worse by not going through with the act. And I love, she's she's not the kind of person who runs off screaming. She screams and throws a candelabra at the door. <laughs> yes. Like, if she wants to kill this guy. Like, she wants blood. And it's the 18th century, so if you throw a lit candelabra at someone, yeah. at that, that whole place is going up. <laughs> You know, right? That whale oil and everything, like just room. <laughs> exactly, dude. Everybody lives in tinder boxes, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's a shame it was taken out. Right. But the movie is strong enough to stand without it, I guess. Yeah, agree. Yeah, agree. Because I mean, even because I, I I saw the the original theatrical cut. I don't know how many times it was just one of these things that always bothered me, and I didn't quite know why. Yeah, I. So that was one of the main main things. But they did cut out some of the dialogue, a, a lot of the religious stuff. Some of that got cut out, right. about, like the hatred towards God and things. Like, yes. I think that was still in the original, but not as prevalent. Exactly. It wasn't as explicit. Yeah. And some more like the sexually yep. uh, charged things. Yes. And, and the molestation accusations. And that was also, things like that. That was also gone. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff was out. Kenneth McMillan's whole sequence was also taken out. He he was the guy, the 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 aristocrat that had dogs. Yes. Um his that all that stuff yeah. was just was excised in, okay. in theatrical. Part. I can see that being taken out and being fine. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the weakest part of the movie. It is. You know. Um it it shows that he can't get pupils right. to to study under him. Right. Um but we already know that. We, we you don't really need to see it. Yeah. yeah. Um and and it's also yeah, and and the the whole thing of like not being able to get pu- I mean like the, this the the first pupil that he's trying I don't know. It's weird. He, he the the whole thing with pupils begins when the emperor wants Mozart to teach his yeah. niece. Yeah. And Salieri this fine young woman. Yes. yes. <laughs> and Salieri, you know, like accuses him of Mozart of being lecherous towards young women. Yeah. He, he likes to womanize, yeah. but he's never like molested anyone that we know of. As far as we know, he's never said, Hey, you do this and I'll do that. Exactly. Yeah. Not, not like what Salieri himself does later right. in the film, you know? Yeah. And honestly, the women who want to work with him, I think they want him also. Oh, of course. Like it, you it's can not, see it, it. It's totally consensual. Yeah. 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 Like the, the, even the, the princess, that we just talked about, like you can kind of see when they talk about Mozart in front of her, like on her face, she's like, "Yes, I want to get with this guy." Sure, like, right. I, I, at least I picked it up. Yeah, she wants to do this guy. She wants to do oh, the music you, you, and do the thing. Really, you think? Yep. Okay, yep. I didn't get that. All right. I got it. Okay, oh, very I well. Got it. All right. Yep. Um, that, that, that's okay. Um, I, I, you know, we we've been skipping around a lot because yeah, um, it's just how you know that that's how our discussions go sometimes. But in like the whole framing device of the movie is. Uh, old is Salieri in um, 30, like we said, 30 years yeah. later, um, after he has uh, become an old man now, and he is like telling his story to a, a visiting priest at the asylum, right? And a, a really strong 
uh, opening to this story is when he's talking to the priest and he he's sitting at a piano and he like starts playing some stuff for him and says, yeah. you know, do you recognize this? And the priest says, no, uh, what is that? He goes, well, I wrote it. You know, it's one of my from one of my operas. Yeah. He plays another tune. And, you know, also the priest doesn't get it. Um, so then he starts yeah. playing uh, a little snatch from a, a Mozart piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's instantly recognizable, not just to the priest, but to the audience. Oh, yeah. It, everyone's heard this song. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the priest even like starts singing along with it and like finishes it. Yeah. Um, he knows the whole tune, knows yeah. it note for note. He says, um, wow, I can't believe you wrote that. Yes. And he has to say, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it, like it is a very great way to open it. Right. And it really shows the jealousy right off the bat. Of like, course. Just, I didn't write that. He's just so mad that he recognizes that instead of his own tunes. A non-musician, yeah, like like immediately says, "Oh my God, yeah, of course I know that. I know every word of that." You yeah, know? um, it just yeah, it's terrible. I mean, like oh. it, it would be if I had been known as the greatest composer in Europe until five minutes ago. Yeah, um, yeah, and not only have has this person eclipsed me, but like just left me forever. Exactly. I mean, like I am I am a like a non-entity at now. the end of the movie. It ends at the asylum also, and he's there wrapping up the story, and he's uh, saying, God killed Mozart, but left me alive to torture me. <laughs> like, my music continues to grow fainter and fainter, and and no one plays it. No one knows it. But his, it's it's long, going forever. It's never going to be forgotten. And he's telling this story to this priest in, like, 1810 when... Like here we are in 2023, and it's still like, yes, everywhere. Mozart is still considered the greatest. I mean, like all the <laughs> all the the greatest performers in the world, they they study Mozart and they play his music. And I'm not the greatest student of classical music, obviously. I I, no. I am I am not. Should, I even say I'm not the greatest. I'm not a student of classical music, obviously. <laughs> but I. I've heard some. I I used to play piano quite a bit. I have never heard Salieri performed anywhere, unfortunately. And I don't I don't know. I've never heard of Salieri. Okay, not that's, gonna lie. That's, well, I hadn't heard of him until I saw the movie either. Yeah, that's the only way I've known about Salieri. Me too. Is because of this film. Yes, man, Which, and that really that really puts the point on things, doesn't it? I mean, like, art imitating uh, life again. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, like if if this was if there's any if there's any truth to this story. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I, as long as Salieri didn't actually do to Constanza what he's portrayed as doing here, I can see why I can kind of sympathize with him a little bit. Do you feel like if this movie was called Salieri, it would have done worse? Yes. I agree. Yes. Way worse. Because like, it's just the, the name recognition of Mozart is what gets you into the theater. What's funny is Amadeus is not his first name or his last name. That's right. The, it's like that, his middle name. It's the weird, yeah. a weird thing. I know. It's so instantly, instantly recognizable though. I know. You say Amadeus. I don't know about you, but I only think of Mozart or that song. I, I, I think of Rock Amadeus. Me Amadeus yeah, yeah. and Mozart. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's not it. I know. Um, <laughs> it, and I, I've, I've never known anyone ever. I don't, I don't know any other Amadeuses. Like if that's just a common yeah, name yeah. somewhere, I don't know. Um, but like, yeah, it, it's, it's so, yeah, I don't know any other Mozarts either. Or Salieri's I, or I, no, I, I don't, I, mean, I know some Wolfgang's, but, but yeah, never, Wolfgang, yeah, yeah but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's like just inextricably linked with, with one person forever. Right. And always. Yes. For, for in 200 years from now, like piano yeah. prodigies will be studying Mozart. People will be doing movie podcasts about Mozart. You're damn right. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I like how um, he schemes with the maid to try to like get into their house. Yeah. Um, he hires this woman to give them help cleaning their house. Cause I guess he knows they live in this like house that is not kept up very well right. because they, they don't care. It's a little if, flat in Vienna. They don't care if their house is dirty. So right. he hires this maid. Uh, this is kind of the beginning of his like next level scheming. Right. right? Is this after he proposes to have sex with Stanzi. I um, can't remember. I think, I think it, it is it after. Is. Yeah. So yeah, th- after that. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now he's fully on. Yeah. Cause that scene ignites his yep. pure rage towards him. So now he's starting to, 
He wants to infiltrate him. He wants to find out what he's writing. He wants to ruin him. He'll do anything he has to. Right. So he hires this maid to help them clean. And she gives him access to his house. And he goes in and finds out that he's writing a play based on Figaro, the French... Or he's writing an opera based on Figaro, the French play that has been banned by Sir Jeffrey Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Sir Jeffrey Jones! He's the emperor in uh, Austria, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, uh, Emperor Joseph, the musical king. Yeah, for some reason he's... He said, you can't, this is not allowed in our country because it will stir up the masses to revolt against him. Which, you know what, <laughs> you know what, your majesty, um, that should tell you something. Instead of banning the play, <laughs> maybe you should change some of your policies. No, dude, you got to get Mark Twain out of there. You got to get <laughs> everyone out of here. Exactly. No, no, we, we cannot have anything that, 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 that tells the, the populace that they have rights. Yeah, um, yeah. We live in a monarchy, don't you know? Um <laughs> It's, Mozart knows, and he hates it. <laughs> right, <laughs> and I I love too when um when he after he figure after Salieri figures out that he's that he's writing uh you know the Marriage of Figaro mm-hmm. he goes to those two assholes Arsini Rosenberg and Capellmeister. Yeah, like the director and yes. uh, whoever the other dude is. Uh, yeah, you know, um, whatever he does. <laughs> it's, they're all they're, they're the Italian faction in in court. Yeah. Um, and he had already had a, a, a run-in with them when he first, when Mozart had a run-in with them when he, when he first met the emperor. Um, and you know, there, there's a bit of like, uh, uh, national jealousy between them too. Yeah. Um, because the Italians feel that, that like Italian is the proper language for opera and we can't have German in our operas. Right. And Mozart, you know, says, no, my, my operas are in German the, and, yeah. and you're gonna have to deal with it. Um, now he's writing an Italian opera this time and it's the marriage of Figaro. Yeah. But, um, they then run to the emperor and tell him what's going on. And the emperor calls Mozart in front of him to like, you know, tell him off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he says that like his sister Antoinette uh, in France is already scared because like her people are revolting against her. Um, well, Emperor <laughs> Joseph's sister is Marie Antoinette. Yeah. And just like him, Maybe she should rethink some of her policies. Maybe all the royals in Europe at the time should understand Maybe. that like people don't have any food to eat. Instead Let of banning the Dave. play. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, like it's it's just the worst kind of shit. Um, the problem is the play. Yes, the problem right, is right, definitely. Dave? Yes, the problem indeed, is of the course, play. The problem is in our art. We, 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 <laughs> we, we should like. And you know, like I I think I'm getting so animated about uh, this because I mean, like obviously, even today. Right, yeah. This is going exactly. on. Yeah. People are banning books for Christ's sakes. You're you're not fixing the source. No. No, you're stop. You're fixing this. a symptom. Stop. This play wouldn't have been written if it wasn't for your bullshit exactly. politics. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So like start <laughs> sharing things. You know, start start making sure that people are taken care of. Yes. Don't ban plays. But yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and at the play, at the opera, the emperor yawns. And so he only gets a couple performances because of this. Which is the craziest <laughs> shit. Because, like, I mean, everyone, like, Salieri himself watches The Marriage of Figaro. And he's, like, he loves moved it. by it. He can't believe how good this is. Even though he hates him so much. Yes. He, he can't help but be moved by all the music that Mozart writes. And through his influence, he makes sure that it only sees, you know, like nine performances. Right. And when the emperor yawned, I like he he explained something about like how the emperor yawning had something to do with the with the. I don't think yeah, that I was don't it. know if it's like real, like a science. No, he's no, just course, saying, you know, right. he 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 only yawned once. If he right. would have yawned twice, oh man, uh-huh. like, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> it would have been bad. And and we've already like established too that like the emperor, he's known as the musical king because he really was, you know, like a. a an emperor who appreciated music. Um, he studied it himself and he mm-hmm. played a little bit, um, but he's not a great musician. Right. And he, the, the unfortunate, he does the unfortunate thing of like lobbying of uh, levying criticism at something. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. He just wants yeah. to be heard and he wants to like make it seem that he actually knows what he's thinking, that, that he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, at one point after the, like Mozart's first opera is staged in Vienna he had heard the Ossini Rosenberg say that like Mozart's operas contain too many notes. Yes. So he tells Mozart uh, yeah. that, you know, uh, there are simply too many notes. Just <laughs> cut a few and it'll be perfect. It was amazing. This was one of the best operas I've ever seen, but it has too many notes. 
What there, the fuck? There are only so many notes that one, an ear can hear, <laughs> my dear fellow. And Mozart is insulted by this, and he says, which few did you have in mind, the, my majesty, your majesty? The yeah. best <laughs> comeback I've it ever heard. It is so good. Which few did you have in mind? <laughs> and, like, Salieri, who knows better... Is standing there, and when he and when the emperor says, "I am right in saying that, aren't I, court composer?" He should say what Mozart's saying. Well, Your Majesty, uh, can you explain more what you mean by you know too many notes? Instead, he <laughs> sides with with the emperor. Yeah. Instead of like like siding with Mozart, which would be the right thing to do. Right. I know he hates Mozart, and you know he can't do that. But at the same time, it's just like, dude, you know this guy's full of shit. Right. Yeah. It's funny because Salieri is torn between. His hatred and his admiration. Yes. The whole movie. Which, yes. Like in this scene, he, yeah, maybe he's, in this scene, he's being political. You know, he's yeah, just, I got to kiss the emperor's ass a little right, right here. Right. And that's going to help me out, you know, in the long run. Because it's, it's the, it's the best way to like maintain your status is to always um, like be uh, currying favor with the emperor. Yeah. You know? And, and we've talked about Mozart producing these operas and stuff and how Salieri loves them. He's at every one. Yeah. Even though he despises them. Right. He can't escape the music. He has to be there. Yes. He's drawn to it. He uh, he says that he um he made sure that like Don Giovanni only had five performances in Vienna, but secretly he attended every one. Yes. You know. And he and like these these are more of um like Salieri narrates the movie. Like it you hear his voiceover, but it's it's his um it's him in the old man makeup, yeah. like technically telling the story still. And like these appreciation monologues that we referenced earlier, like there's, there's like, I don't know, six or seven of them yeah. and they're all excellent. And, uh, just to watch both like to, to see Salieri as a younger man, like appreciate, like watching him appreciate the opera and then the cutting to the, him in the old man makeup, like, like being even more dramatic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, and then having the music accompanying it, it it's just this, this perfect melding oh, yeah. of, you know, uh, like a description of like what music is supposed to sound like. And, you know, man, it's, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah. I don't think I've seen that really in a movie where they're talking about the music and as they're describing it, it plays it for the audience to hear as well. I can't think of anything else. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's wonderful how they do that. Yeah. And they do it at the end of the movie too, when we get there. Right. Like, the ending's wonderful. We'll get to there. But, um. Also throughout the movie, like Mozart's father shows up yeah. and lives with them in their flat. Right. And is he's sent by the king where where was he? He he's sent um, by the archbishop. Okay. Um to, yeah. to bring him home, right. basically. Because like technically Mozart is an employee of the Archbishop. Right. And um he's his court composer. And uh like the Emperor uh stole him essentially. Mm-hmm. And like Mozart's father was his teacher. Yeah, um, I mean, he might not have taught him a ton. If, he taught him enough, if, but if, it's the raw natural talent. I mean, is really if, the if star. someone is that good at age yeah. four, then yeah, obviously, yeah, of right. course. Um, but like, he's he's also like a a major influence in Mozart's life. I mean, like yeah. Mozart he adores is. him, and uh, and wants his approval. And uh, this is a he was basically his manager. You know, he's like Macaulay Culkin's dad, you know. <laughs> he was Kit Culkin. Beyonce's that's true. <laughs> mom managing Destiny's child. Exactly. Stage I can't believe mom. I remember that. But, <laughs> um, but that's what he's doing to Mozart. He's almost making him a monkey performing. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because y- you see him, like, yeah, w- as, a, as a child kind of... Um, like he, he's he's playing harpsichord blindfolded, yeah. And then he he stands him up on the bench and gives him a violin and okay now play this you know right and and it's yeah he's doing tricks exactly you know yeah. Um, so I think Mozart loves his dad a lot, but he resents him for that. Sure. And he can't live up to his expectations apparently. Right. When his dad first shows up at his flat, he's he's saying all these condescending things like. This place is so dirty and right. and like can't you afford anything better? Things he keeps saying stuff like that, worrying about his financial situation. And Mozart is lying about it to yeah. him. Like, oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. No, right. Uh, cause he doesn't want to let his father down. And he knows that his dad he knows what his dad's gonna think of this. Right. And yeah. And Salieri figures out um Mozart's relationship with his father, and when his father dies Mm-hmm. It, it it leaves a you know obviously it's a it's a big blow to Mozart, but he realizes that like the relationship that they had, um, he can take advantage. Salieri can take advantage of right. it, 
And the way he does that is, and this is apparently kind of based in reality. Um, there really was a man, a hooded figure who came to Mozart's door and asked him and to commission the Requiem. Huh. Um, it wasn't Salieri in disguise. Uh, it was just some, like, it, okay. it was a, a private citizen who was mourning the, the death of his wife. Okay. But they use that in this story as like Salieri dressing in a, a costume that yeah. his father had been in uh, for, for a, some kind of ball that they'd gone to. Right. Some and, masquerade. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, he's saying like this is his new scheme is uh, he's going to like, I guess, drive Mozart to madness um, and in the process ask him to write uh, a Requiem mass. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to, as when Mozart dies, they're going to have a funeral for him and he's going to co-opt the Requiem and pass it off as, as a Salieri original. Yes. And this is a great send off <laughs> to my, my friend Mozart. And, you know, I will be immortal and God will be forced to listen. Yeah. Stealing this from another man. Yes. Wow. God's going to love you, dude. <laughs> Well, now he, I mean, he, that, that, that's the thing at this point too, with his relationship with God, he's not, well, he's already burned the cross. Exactly. He, he, yeah. he put the crucifix in the fire and said, from now on, I will block you. Yeah. And, um, uh, because you are unjust and unkind and, uh, I will do everything I can to silence your, uh, your creature. Right. You know? Yep. I loved this that scene when he does that. Yes, he's me too. Just, he's done. Right. He's done. He's like, I've done, I've tried to worship you and do everything through you my entire life. Right. And this is what happens. Right. Fuck that. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's very powerful. The idea that like you had in your head that you, that like your whole life it, to this point has been divinely inspired. And yes. you really did think that God had done all this for you and that God had arranged it. And oh, now yeah. like you're, you, you liken yourself to Job and everything's been taken away. Um, and I feel like Mozart has replaced God for Salieri. Uh, yeah. He worships him as he is, as he, as if he is God. You know, you, you're right. You're right. He even like when he's, when he's reading the music, when Constant brings him those originals, like it's almost like he's communing with God when he's reading this stuff. Like it's wonderful. He's so he's so um, like it, it's so real to him. And, yeah. And because like when he's as he's as he's like going through the pages, you know, like like uh, like forcefully turning pages uh, for, of the drafts of music, mm-hmm. the music is playing. Like we hear it, yeah, and then he flips the page, and it just like it, it goes from piano to like a violin, and yeah. then there you hear an oboe, and it's just like it's him interpreting it just from reading the notes on the page, yeah. And he's a, he's a composer, so he can do that. Like mm-hmm. it can it can like come to life for him. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's it, it's really intense. God, yeah. At one point, uh, the wife, his wife leaves him, Mozart's wife, yeah, because she's tired of his bullshit. <laughs> he's just. <laughs> So he he's throughout the movie, like especially the second half, he's like kind of slowly deteriorating. Yes, he's going deeper into a a hole of getting drunk and right self destruction, self destruction for sure. Right. Um. Is he sick as well? Does he have yes? Like, uh, I, and it's it's hard to know what it, it's yeah. like consumption. Yeah, that's um, what I was gonna yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, he's slowly withering away throughout right. this movie, and she's fed up because he's not doing anything to stop it or make their situation better. He's not finishing work he's promised to finish. Right. And she leaves him because she's done with this bullshit. Yep. Yep. She knows about the hooded figure now who keeps coming to his door. And she knows that he is like, even though it's Salieri in disguise and he's doing, he's doing something quite underhanded. Uh He is paying real money. He's giving Mozart, you know, like a bag of florins. And she knows that like, well, why don't you do this? You know, why don't you do what this guy's asking you? Right. We need money. Um, And she, She's she mentions like Simon Callow's character Shikinator, the the actor who who does the the parody uh-huh. of operas in yeah. the, in the smaller place, um, and she's like you work you work as like a slave for this guy who doesn't give you anything, right? But you know, uh, and he tries to tell her that like the work he's doing for this this hooded figure is killing him. You don't you can't say how like how agonizing something is without them knowing, right? So she leaves him, and and he gets worse and worse right. because of that too. Because now his. His rock is gone. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, the one thing keeping him from just dying, right, is gone. The best thing in his life is yeah. is now, and she took the child too. Oh yeah. Um, and now he's really struggling, and he manages to to write uh one of these 
parody operas. I guess it's called the yeah. Magic Flute. And Salieri, even though it's just a vaudeville, he goes to see it uh, because it's a it's Mozart. A Mozart. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and during the performance, Mozart gets sick. Yeah. He's barely able to perform. Yep. And right before this, he does one of his own operas and has to go across town to do... This that's, also, and even right. in that, he's like about to fall over off the podium while that, he's conducting. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah. it's like, um, if you watch the trailer for the movie, like they use him, like, like oh yeah, the he's sickly sweating, Mozart, yeah. barely able to stand up, and he's just like he's doing everything he can. He's really intensely like conducting, just tossing his arms yes. around, he's swinging his body. It's yeah. excellent, and they use that in the trailer to like you know show the intensity of, and it's, it is. I mean, and that's awesome. where he's at right now. Right, his, his life is destroyed, and it's. And it's chaotic. Right. And that's what he's doing. He's performing this orchestra. He's just c- conducting it as if nothing matters. Yeah, exactly. This is, uh, yeah, I mean, like, the whole this world it. goes away. Yeah. It's, um, it reminded me of, like, uh, Disney Plus has the, uh, the Let It Be, um, from the Beatles. Beatles, yeah. Um, and in the first, in the first, uh, episode of that, th- there's a moment where, like, George Harrison and Ringo Starr and Yoko Ono and Linda McCartney and everybody else who's surrounding everything, they are all like staring at John and Paul who are looking deep into each other's eyes with guitar and they're playing guitars and like they're singing their asses off Uh and the whole world disappears when these guys get going. Yeah. Like it's just like nothing else, you know, they, they had, they had such a collaboration that it was like, this is what Mozart does. Like nothing else is real right now. Right. It's all just this. I'm sweaty and pale and his wig is, is deep poofed. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, yeah. Right. He looks awful. <laughs> right. Except he looks like trash, but like, um, like, but he is conducting his opera, you know, like, right. because this is, this is his life's work. And man, yeah, it, it's really something and to watch. It, and it pretty much kills him. Yes. Cause he does, uh, pass out while he's performing at the vaudeville. Right. And Salieri takes him home uh, to his house, to his bed, to Mozart's house. Right. And tucks him in. He's taking care of him. Even though he hates this guy, you know, he's taking care of him. And he decides in this moment that he's going to like, guess push Mozart over the edge um, and get him to finish the Requiem. Yeah. This I think is my favorite scene of the movie. It's it's one of the greatest scenes ever in any movie. It's amazing. Yeah, it's tour de force it's, in itself. It's a guy sitting there in bed and a guy writing at a table, and it's one of the most exciting scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know, I know, exactly. So they're they're Salieri wants him to write this music, but Mozart's unable to because he's just he's in fucking shit mode right now. He's right. dying. Yes. <laughs> he's literally dying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He can't write. He can barely sit up in bed. Right. So he's telling Salieri what to write. He's describing it to him. He's saying the notes. You know, start, we're going to go into A major and we're doing this, hit F. And like, just tell him what to write and what <laughs> instrument. And Salieri can't even keep up with him. Right. And this interaction between the two is so good. It is so wonderful. I don't. It's the culmination of all of their feelings. I've never seen anything like it in any other movie. Um, Me neither. And I mean, to be able to like deconstruct the Requiem this way takes a true understanding of music, obviously, but to then be able to, to, to dramatize the deconstruction, that's something else entirely. (laughs) Yes. You know, and when Mozart He's confutatis rest maledictis. Mm-hmm. And like he's he's saying this stuff and like Salieri is furiously scribbling and like trying to keep up with him. And then he's like, OK, now show me. And Salieri passes the, the, the sheet music over uh-huh. to him. He, he all of a sudden he just like Mozart looks at it. He clears his head and then he goes. <gasps> and then you hear the music. Yeah. The music plays the music, the finished stuff. Oh, my God. And there's moments where Salieri knows exactly what's happening. And then like Mozart is going so far beyond his own comprehension that he's Salieri's like, wait, what? No, I can't, what do you, I can't keep up with this. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Right. He literally says, I don't understand. I don't understand this. First a bassoon, then a trombone. What? Yeah. And then there's moments where he is connected with them too. Right. And he's humming the tune with him. Like as he knows where he's going, 
that that, God. that that part right there where he where he understands where it's going and he's like it's as if you he's know. glimpsed you know into yes. the heart of God there right he, he had he had oh. th- this moment of like oh my gosh I have my I have a hold of the divine again yeah you know even for just a fleeting moment man dude I, me and Dave are sitting here we're like smiling ear to ear yeah. talking about this <laughs> i know i got goosebumps yeah I'm not, i don't know about you but i i i knew we would it is so hard to just give this scene justice in an audio form i mean maybe the music needs to play while we're talking about I mean, it but <laughs> man, <right>. exactly <laughs> the, the scene you cannot describe enough how well done this scene is it's just like you obviously want more of it if if the i'm telling you like the movie the movie is brilliant but I'm not not bullshitting. If if this scene was a two hour movie, like if they oh, if yeah. they went through the entire record, it's like a my dinner with Andre yes, type film. I, I would because like it's it's apart from them composing the music. At first, Mozart looks at Salieri and says, "Do you believe it?" He says, "What?" He goes, "Fire that burns you forever." Yeah, and Salieri goes, "Oh yes, yes," because he knows he's going <laughs> to hell. Um. Like that is so good. I mean, damn, man, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is uh, like it's unlike anything I've seen in in really any movie. And Mozart even tells him like, I'm. I think he apologizes to him. He's like, I didn't. I thought you didn't care about me. Oh wow, yeah, that but part. you actually do. D- does he? No, well, he doesn't. I, I, I mean, completely. But yeah. Mozart thinks he does. And 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 we see that like Mozart, for all his arrogance and and just being conceited in public, when when he says that he's he's he laughs and says, "I'm so ashamed." Yeah. I I thought that you didn't care for me or for my music. He cares for the music. Yes, he does that's, that's very much true. so. Uh, but he he wants you dead. Yeah. Um, even in this moment where he's he's helping you. Yeah. And he even like. Um, before they got started on the composition, uh, Simon uh, Schickenator shows up at the at the house yeah. to like give him his share of the vaudeville. So yeah. he actually came through with the money. Yeah, and Salieri passes it off as as it, if the hooded man brought exactly, the money. Exactly. Yes, yeah. and he says, "Now let 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 let's get started on this requiem. Can I yeah. help you?" He wants it by if he does it, you do it by tomorrow. He'll give you an extra hundred or whatever. Oh my god! So that's what they're working on. Like it's just. He's doing this to torture Mozart some more, yeah. you know, because and because th- that's the thing that's hanging over this brilliant scene is that like this is all because Salieri wants this piece of music because he knows that he doesn't have much time left. Yeah, he sees Mozart is dying and he wants this finished requiem so that he can like take it and show it and then make it like 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 he wrote it. Dude, this this part of this movie is the best part absolutely I, hands down absolutely yeah and and because i mean it show it's got every it runs the gamut of emotion and throughout all of it it's showing the diabolical nature of salieri too right yeah and on top of that all the technical things we've talked about yes just, it, yes the integration of music you, you, you said it like five minutes ago one of the best scenes of all time of actually of course i would agree with that this is up there yep. this is amazingly good yep wow it's got to be partly why it got it's nominations. I mean, this this has to be, yeah, like like what the Academy was looking at, like like okay, so what w- what are we justifying Tom Hulse and F. Murray Abraham in the same category? It's this scene, yeah, because they're they're both integral to it, and it's it's weird to see two actors anchor an entire movie like this, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, yeah, dude, and then they fall asleep, and the next morning, Constance has returned home with the, their son because she realizes. She wants to be with Wolfie, you mm-hmm. know? Yes. Yeah, she calls <laughs> so him Wolfie. It's great. I love it. It's Tanzi <laughs> and Wolfie. I mean, these pet names I have for each other, they love each other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, but she comes back and he's dead. And this man who wanted to rape you is sleeping next to him. And she tells him, you know, just yeah. like, she's actually very like, she's even dignified at first, you know, just like asks him politely almost to yeah. leave, you know, yeah. f- firmly, but politely. Um, she, she's showing tremendous restraint for this man who, yeah, who threatened to rape her. Yeah. Um, and he won't leave because of, we've already told you his, you know, motivations. Um, and eventually they both realize that Mozart is dead. Yep. And, uh, you know, we, we then get, um, what should be like all of Europe mourning the loss. There should be a fucking, Mm mm-hmm. 
like Padme Amidala procession here. <laughs> yes. Like Mozart <laughs> should be in a glass box. Oh my god, yeah. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um instead he is um buried in a pauper's grave. Yeah. There's a a wooden box he's put in, hauled on a wagon by a couple of just random men. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a coffin. It's a box that has an, a hinged door on the bottom so that they can just dump him out of it. Um, with, I think, six other bodies. They put him in a hole. Right. With six other bodies wrapped up in, like, potato sacks. Right. They but sprinkle some lye on there, this and then is that's why, it. Yeah, we guess maybe it's consumption, and they just, yeah. a mass grave, he's just dumped in there. Right. I don't, is this real? Did Mozart die this way? I don't know. Okay. Um, I don't either. Yeah. I don't know if this was like exactly the way he, you know, I mean, I, I and, and even if it is dramatic license, I, I think that it's, it's true. It's, there's some truth in it. Like just knowing that like, yeah, even though he is world renowned, um, even though the whole, every, literally every person on earth knows his name. Um, he is still after all a human being and yeah. he's going to die the same as we will. Um, so whether we have a great Amidala procession or <laughs> we're, we're dumped into a, uh, a hole with six other bodies in a burlap sack, um, we all are going to die. Yes. And that's just, you know, a fact of life. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. that um, The movie ends with us going back to the, the present time with the old man Salieri. And right. This is where he's talking about how, you know, God left me to live to torture me and Mozart's living on forever. And he says that, what does he say? He says, I speak for all mediocrities in the world. <laughs> I'm their patron patron saint. <laughs> he, oh, dude. And he insults the priest. Yeah. Calls him a mediocrity. Yeah, you're a mediocrity. Yep. And he's being hauled down the hallway in a wheelchair just saying, like, I absolve you to all these like, <laughs> mentally disturbed patients in right, the building. Right. And the movie ends with Mozart's giggle. Before it fades to credits. It's so good. Oh, it's God. It's so good. He is still being haunted by this man. <laughs> and it, I think the choice to end with this obnoxious... <laughs> is wonderful. <laughs> because if you're haunted by the memory of this man, what worse than that giggle? You know, like, it's... it's if he didn't have that insane laugh, yeah, like m- maybe the maybe the the specter, like the the constantly the the haunting of Mozart wouldn't be as as traumatic for him. Yeah, right. <laughs> but but the the fact that he's just like a vulgar guy who also has a horrific fucking laugh. Yeah, like yeah. It, it's it would it would torture you to madness. <laughs> if like your worst enemy also sounded that way, I mean, holy crap. Yeah, yeah, holy crap, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> All right, Dave, did we miss anything you want to touch on? Um, so I wanted to go over a little a little bit about like some behind the scenes stuff. Okay. Um, so this obviously a previous like we said, Peter Schaefer originally this was his play. Um, and it, and at first it got its first uh performance in 1979 in the UK. And Simon Callow, who plays Schickenator in the movie, played mm-hmm. Mozart. Okay. Um, and Paul Schofield played Salieri and Felicity Kendall played Constanza. Then it went to Broadway, where Tim Curry played Mozart, um, Ian McKellen was That's Salieri, right. yeah. and Jane Seymour was Constanza. Mm-hmm. Um, for the film, two of the other finalists for Mozart, they, they auditioned something like, it was like 1,400 people. Um, the two of the other finalists were Kenneth Branagh and Mark Hamill. Wow. Mark Hamill would go on to play the role on Broadway after, um, after Tim Curry. Uh-huh. Um, and... The obviously I'm, I'm kind of always fascinated by alternate casting. Yeah. So in my, in my head now, because I've seen the movie so many times, I, I'm now like thinking of, I'm trying to picture Mark Hamill in right. all these scenes and Kenneth Branagh. Um, and also because Ian McKellen was mentioned as Salieri. I mean, like, yeah, geez, can cool. you, uh, I mean, I could see that. I know. Uh, and like F Murray Abraham told, you know, I guess he was on the set of Scarface when he got like a fax saying he had gotten the role. Really? And like, it was, it was, um, the play was such a sensation that like tons of actors, like big names wanted this part. Yeah. And he, as a relative unknown, got it. And so like, it just, it just changed. He talked about how it changed his whole life. I mean, yeah. like even on the set of Scarface where he was just kind of like this workaday guy who was like known as a, a you know, a, a dependable character actor, all of a sudden he was like now treated as 
okay, right. well, this guy's a star. Yeah. Know? This guy can lead shit. Yes. He, the way he described it is it, it was the role that every actor in the English language wanted and I got it somehow. You know, awesome. Yeah, dude. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was well worth it. Yes, very much good, so. Good casting choice. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Dave, would you recommend this movie? Uh, man, yeah, obviously. This is uh, this this movie is a is a uh, absolute five-star recommend. Uh, it, <laughs> you know, it's... We said earlier it's one of the most acclaimed films of all time. It is. I mean, th- this is... And forget about its eight Academy Awards. Just, like, critically, read reviews of it and see it. Because it's it's worth your time. And, um, yeah, amazing. Amazing movie. Yeah, dude. It, it, I did not know what to expect going in. I loved it. I'm going to give it four stars. But, man, some of these scenes are just some of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I definitely would recommend it. Watch it at least once. Watch the director's cut. Yes. I think it's... It's got to be superior. Yes, it, it is. Trust oh, me. Right. All right, so that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Rate it, review it, and most of all, share it. That gets more dudes listening to the dudes. You can also go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yeah, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for Dudes on Movies. And our uh, email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. All right, and we have a question of the week. Dave, what is the question of the week? Uh, what is your favorite music biopic? There you go. There's a lot of ones out there. That's yes, for sure. A lot to choose from. Uh, call in the voicemail 628-400-DUDE and leave us a message 628-400-3833. And stay tuned next week when we do 1968's 2001 A Space Odyssey, directed by Stanley Kubrick and starring Keir DeLea and Gary Lockwood. So until next week, I'm your dude Scott. I'm your dude Dave. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>